0: A Very blessed and good morning to each one of you here in the hub and over at the main sanctuary. Thank you uh, once again for allowing me the privilege to share from out of God's word today. Now this morning uh, I've turned to the Bible, to a book in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'd like to read for you. I'd like to read for you what a follower of Jesus has written about love, and he says. But have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things. Love never ends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God and loving Heavenly Father, your holy word is open. We ask for your spirit to open our eyes and minds and hearts to receive your word. And so we wait on you In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what is love? We speak about love because love is actually what you and I most long for. But there's a problem. And it is that love is hard to find. Now, we listen to the radio, we listen to YouTube, iTunes, and we hear songs about wanting love, looking for love, losing love. And I can't remember, do you know, maybe who sang this song? I want to know what love is. Ate that, right? Foreigner? Doesn't even ring a bell, right, for some of you. You're so young. Okay. Um, but there's also, what about this song? Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Have oh, you heard that, right? Okay. Love is what we sing about, what we speak about. Sometimes, though, it's not really love, but it's in the name of love. And love can be so hard to find. Some of us come from broken families, And we don't know how to love well, even though we try. And finding love in our own families may be difficult. But finding love in the world is also not that easy. You and I actually know what's happening in the news. In many countries the world over, love isn't easy to find. It seems violence is time and again in our hearts. But other times, Most of the pain that you and I have had in life has come from love that was supposed to have been given, but actually wasn't. Or love that we were supposed to offer, but didn't. And love is hard to find, even though we speak so much about it and want it. But as we consider our Bible passage today, we are reminded by the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, how true love should speak. He's going to disciple you, he's going to disciple me in love because love is the heart of God. Because love is at the heart of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And Paul, Paul was the follower of Jesus who says, follow me, follow my example, in other words, as I follow the example of Christ. Yes, but how? How? Three things the Spirit of God would say to us today. And the first is this. Let your love speak as priority. Sometimes love is hard to find because Christians get in the way. They forget to let love speak as priority. How does this happen? Well, it often starts when Christians want to become something in the world and they begin to have misguided ambitions. And you can actually see this in the backdrop of Paul writing this first letter to the church in Corinth. It started out as them being ordinary Jewish believers worshipping the God of the Old Testament, as well as the Gentile believers who were worshipping multiple gods. And then they came to know Jesus. And they were gathering together in worship, despite being under Roman conquest, Roman occupation. They worshipped Jesus together. But over time, they wanted to be significant in the world. Now, this church had a background of being a young church, um, a young church, highly gifted though, with a lot of gifted people, but also immature. And so they wanted to be significant in the world. They started off well, wanting to make a difference. But it degenerated into misguided ways of making a difference. Now, some of you may be asking, how I know that? You see, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul spoke about spiritual gifts. Now, we have no time actually to backtrack, but if you just refer to chapter 12, you'll you'll find there's a whole section on spiritual gifts. And he gave evidence, actually, of the Corinthians' lack of love while using those giftings. Their wanting to make a difference had become misguided. And the text we read earlier tells us, can you see that? Now, I've highlighted highlighted it for you in yellow, although it's very subtle. But it's very prominent, and it's repeated in the text. And Paul says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers that understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body even to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Did you see it? Did you see that? I am, I am, I gain nothing. There's that emphasis. Why is Paul talking like this? Why is he talking like this? Because you see the Christians in Corinth were getting off track. They are starting to sound just like any other part of the world, any other part of this broken world that wants to be successful and significant. You see, they started off using their gifts, working for God's glory, but they fell into the trap of idolatry, of seeking their own glory, and they had become unloving along the way. So he points out to them, you've missed out on the more excellent way. These Christians are trying to become something apart from the love of Christ, and it's a real danger. How does this happen? How does a Christian church start off so powerfully? In a Christ-centered way. Powerfully in a Christ-centered way. But then gradually start to use Jesus as a platform to leverage, to advance themselves their gifts, their strengths, the things they do well, that's where it all starts. Ah, the things we do well. We get to give thanks to God. We enjoy it. But they start to gradually take center stage in the way they are actually not meant to. This is what Paul talks about. You see it there. First of all, he talks about powerful proclamation. He says, if I speak... These were people gifted with powerful speech. Could speak about God even in different languages. And the Apostle Paul uses hyperbole. And that means he actually exaggerates and says, Okay, let's imagine, let's imagine for one moment that you can speak every language, human and heavenly. So what? So what? Now what? What's the purpose of it? If you can preach or speak or teach the word of God with great proclamation in every language in heaven and on earth, but you do it apart from love, it's just noise. Oh, there'll be people who think it's great. People will surround you and they'll say, are oh, you are such a gifted speaker, such a gifted communicator. And they're right. They are right. You are God, you are a God has given you the gift of speech. But what they can't see, actually, is your heart. But God sees your heart. And he'll say, ah, actually they are no different from anybody else speaking in the world. Oh, but I'm actually looking for the heart of a person who speaks my name out of love for me, out of love for others, out of love even for those who are their enemies, out of love for those who are unlovable. Now here's an aside. Put up your hands, those of you who have unlovable people in your life. Put up your hands with those unlovable people. Okay. There are some of you. No, no. Please don't go and point at them. Okay. Please don't point at them. Right? Don't don't do that. Uh, sanctuary, same thing. Please don't go and point at people. Just put up your hand, okay? Maybe Pastor Colin will will make a note of it. Okay, and those of you who didn't put up your hands, please feel free to come to me at the end of the service and maybe I can share with you unlovable people in my life. Just so we spread it out, okay? But God would say today, I'm looking for such a heart. The heart that speaks out of love. Because you see, the heart... The heart is really the heart of the matter. And Pastor Colin actually mentioned last week, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And he was talking, uh, quoting James uh, Bryan Smith, right? The heart is really the heart of the matter. But now, not just speech. It also includes deep knowledge. You see it they are prophetic uh, these people have prophetic powers they understand all mysteries they have all knowledge again he's using exaggeration okay so you know deep stuff you know a lot you know a lot about god so let's imagine you know everything all knowledge all mysteries see he's exaggerating okay he's exaggeration even if you know everything Now what? I mean, for what purpose? Deep theology without love? And notice, uh, he also adds faith. Paul is quoting from Jesus. Remember, Jesus had said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move, and it will move. Jesus was describing something powerful about faith. And Paul was saying, okay, Let's imagine you have that kind of faith. The faith that Jesus talked about. Let's imagine that you moved a mountain by your faith. I'm telling you, he's saying, if you do that without love, you are nothing. Do you see it? He says, I am nothing. You have great faith that can move a mountain and everyone says, Wow, we... And they come and they line up for your autograph. They go on a pilgrimage, maybe even to visit you, because you move a mountain by faith. They attend your faith-moving mountain conference. They think you're great, but not God. No, not God. God who sees the heart would say, you are nothing. I mean, think about it. God can move a mountain. God created mountains. God holds the highest mountain that towers over all of us on his little finger. What is it to him that you moved a mountain? It is love. That's actually the larger mountain, isn't it? I mean, I'm pursuing currently a Doctor of Ministry degree. I have a Master of Divinity um, does that mean I've mastered God? Ask me anything you want. Okay? Ask me anything you want. Um, I would actually love it if you ask me all those questions. Um, I would much rather you constantly ask me theological questions. I'll actually do alright. But ask me to love someone whom I think is unlovable. That's a whole different ballgame. But what is deep theology apart from love? I can know everything, and if I don't have love, so what? And if, in verse 3, it says, I give away all all that I have, all my possessions, I sacrifice, and this is huge generosity, what a privilege to give money to bless another person or to give clothes or to give food, to give a place to stay, a, a shelter. And please, don't, please don't, don't think I'm suggesting we shouldn't be doing that. I do think we need to do that. But the thing is, all of these are good, good gifts. What good, good gifts they are. And yet, do you know that even that can be done apart from love? You can give things and actually not love. And finally, martyrdom. If I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Now right here, let's take a moment to remind ourselves of some news we've heard in past months. Right here, the Gospel of Jesus Christ profoundly contrasts itself against, for instance, extreme thinking. Extreme thinking that may say, hate your enemy, and should you die killing them, you will be rewarded in heaven. Notice Jesus says exactly the opposite to his followers. But what's more frightening, what's more frightening, is you may be burned at the stake, you may be burned alive at the stake, speaking the name of God even, and everyone around you thinks, Whoa, and they record you down in history, in the history books of martyrdom, and they revere you, even. But when you stand before God, He may well say, you gained nothing. Why? Because you didn't love me, God says. You didn't love your neighbor, or you didn't love your enemy, or you didn't love that unlovable person. Because this, God says, is my heart. My heart of love. This takes us to the second thing that the Spirit of God would like to say to us today. Let your love speak in conduct. Have you ever encountered a person who speaks powerfully and you are amazed and thankful, but then you meet them or you're on staff with them, you're in a group with them, And you sort of think, hmm, well, because although they speak powerfully, they're actually quite toxic. Or have you worked with visionary people who have great faith in God, but they can be so impatient with you and so unkind to you? Or maybe there's someone with great knowledge of truth and deep theology in your group. What a blessing this person can be. But as it is, this person creates fiction. In, fiction. Friction. Fiction and friction. Okay? Fake news maybe. Okay, Fiction and friction okay, in the group. Friction in the group. Um, because he tries or she tries to speak truth. But it's truth spoken without grace, which becomes a bludgeon. And, do you know what I'm talking about? That when we do something well, but we do it grudgingly, complainingly, judgmentally, critically, with scant love, uh, that our acts will one day actually be tested by fire and we may find it all burned away like so much dross. Therefore, love must undergird, love must cradle all your giftings, your strengths, the things you do well. And if you're giving, and you're giving the most money, and you don't love, oh, it's really hard to be with you. It will be hard to to know to be your pastor also, for example. Because great givers without love can want to dictate to the pastor how to do his job. They may think he, just because uh, they are great givers, uh, they have a shareholder say in the corporation. If you think money is power, like a lot of the world does, if you think money is power, Jesus doesn't. Do you know love? Are you saturated with love? The point of your gift or giftings is to serve others and not to be self-serving or to be manipulative. Man, when someone has a generous heart and they give with love, the world is actually longing for such people like that. It's the heart of God. And the martyr who gives himself or herself out of love for his or her enemy, while they are being taken to the stake to be burned, they are praying for their enemy. While they are taken to the beach by black hooded men carrying knives, and if they are crying out to God for their enemy, now that's a rare, beautiful bird. And when it's sighted, the world says, wow, this is what God has in mind. This is his heart. So what then is love? How do we know what it is? Through its conduct, the way it is lived out. And Paul tells us, so I'll take a little liberty here just to make it applicable. If you go to the next slide, okay, love lived out in the church. Okay, so it would be applied like this. If you could go to the next slide. Okay, it says love is patient, right? If you put Ang Mokyo Methodist Church, or the people of Ang Mokyo Methodist Church, okay, so let's read it like this. Ang Mokyo Methodist Church, the people of Ang Mokyo Methodist Church are patient. When you come into this community, you experience kindness. The people of Angmokyo Methodist Church don't envy you, be it your position or your possessions or your gifts or your talents. They don't boast about themselves, whether expressly or impliedly. They are not arrogant or rude. They don't dishonor others with unseemly behavior. When you come into Angmokyo Methodist Church, They don't insist on their own way. They act for your good. They are not irritable. They are not easily angered. They are not resentful, not bitter people who keep records of all wrongs done. They don't rejoice at wrongdoing in your life. They rejoice with the truth that is an anchor for your life. Let your love speak with consistency. The people of Angmokyo, they bear all things in your life with you. You can go to the next slide. They still believe the best about you, no matter what happens in your life. They hope in God and persevere. They endure with you through all the trials trials. life. Wow! Christians are grace-filled people. They are grace-filled. But see, you and I have a problem. Let me speak just for myself, okay? Let me just speak for myself. Because I can be an impatient person, I can be unkind, I can be irritable and resentful And you know the best people to see it are in my family when I'm impatient and unkind. I haven't always hoped. I've been cynical. I've been cynical and suspicious. I've quit sometimes. I haven't endured all things. But we see here the standard of love. Being tolerant it's more than just being tolerant. Okay? The standard of love is more than just being tolerant. Being tolerant is important for a civil society. But for me to tolerate you just means that we agree to disagree. You have your way, I'll have mine. But it does not call me to love you. Do you realize that? There's a qualitative difference between tolerance and love. Jesus goes beyond tolerance to love that goes deeper, wider, higher. And he calls us to use all the materials that we've heard just now about love for others. Now this means you and I actually don't measure up. We will fall short. But if others are to come to church and into our community... How are they going to experience love as our priority? How are they going to experience love in our conduct? How are they going to experience love with consistency? Because when that happens, let me suggest, uh, there will be no other place on earth in like it. No other place in the world like it. But how? A basic question. Who is writing this letter? Anyone tell me who is writing this letter? Ah, very good, Paul. Yes, but Paul before he was Paul was someone else. Historically, very good. Saul of Tarsus was a religious extremist who murdered Christians. You can stick him in any category of extremist that we have today. Okay? He was extremist, a religious extremist who murdered Christians in the name of God. My question is, how did a guy like that become a person who would write what many have said is the best description of love in history? Now, you don't, people who are not church also know about the, know these words. And they describe it as some of the best words in history, ever written in history. How could a person like that write this? Jesus. Isn't that who Paul was describing? I mean, how would the violent, ambitious, angry Saul know what love is? Maybe it's because he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Isn't it because he would eventually spend some three years hidden away in obscurity where it is likely he was deeply moved and he deeply caught a glimpse into the heart of God? and saw that the sum of the law is love. Isn't it as he followed Jesus' footsteps and was discipled by Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, he began to see Jesus is the patient one. Jesus is the kind one. He's the one who hasn't envied or boasted. He hasn't been arrogant with you or rude. Jesus had not insisted on his own way. No, Jesus is the one who hopes all things, endures all things, bears all things. Jesus is the one who never fails. And this means that Saul of Tarsus can be changed. So, for every act of impatience in your life and mine, Jesus purchased patience for you on the cross. He covers you with His patience. For every act of unkindness in your life and my life, He purchased kindness for me and for you on the cross. He gives from from His grace and He covers you and I. He covers you and I with His patience and kindness. He forgives you and frees you so you, one day, maybe, you show up at Star Coffee. Someone's laughing. It's a merger of some words, okay? You show up, maybe, at a place called Star Coffee one day. And you ordered a special kind of coffee with 50% of this and a little of that. And the person you ordered it from did not get the order right. And you tasted it and you frowned. Now, the friend sitting next to you saw you do this and when you shook your head, your friend said, what? What's happening? Because your friend knows you have a bad temper and the smallest of things that go wrong will make you explode. And your friend has been with you at Star Coffee when someone got the order wrong and you blew up. You exploded. But now you're not exploding. And your friend is confused. What's happened to you? And you say, what do you mean? And he says, well, you usually get upset if something goes wrong with your order, but you are being patient. And you think, ah, I guess that's true. Well, what about that? Then your friend asks again, So what's happened to you? And you say, I don't know. It must be, it must be Jesus. Because you see, we can go to the next slide, becoming loving is Him possible. Become loving is Him possible. Let's pray. I don't know if there's anyone of you here today who's finding it hard to love an enemy or to love someone who's unlovable. If there's someone here today that that, who feels that way, I want to pray for you. Maybe you just, no one knows, everybody's eyes are closed, you just lift up your hands. And I want to pray for you today. Is there anyone here? Someone is un- difficult to love. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Someone is difficult to love, an enemy. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you so much. Some of you may not want to raise your hands, but you're raising your heart. La, in your heart. And it's okay, the Lord sees. But let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for the cross and empty tomb. For every aspect of love that you died to purchase for me and my friends, Lord, who have raised their hands, some who are raising their hands inside their hearts. Thank you for every aspect of love that you fill us with and make it possible for us to love. I pray this morning at this time for every aspect of unlove that you died to forgive me and my friends for. We now bring to you our impatience, our unkindness, our boasting, our envy, our rudeness, our arrogance, our resentfulness, our irritability, our insistent insistence on our own way which probably maybe causes all the difficulties with people that we can't love, people who we see as our enemies. Lord, we want to bring all of these to you. We want to confess and repent before you. Forgive us when we have dishonored you and shamed you by our absence of love, even though we have gifts from you. and many of us have unique and wonderful gifts Lord please free my friends and free me too to experience afresh your deep love for them and for me so that they go forth filled with your love so that they are able to let their love speak as priority to let their love speak in conduct to let that love speak with consistency. We pray all these in Jesus' precious name. Amen.